to Simpler. We are three pastors, husbands, and fathers on a journey to make life simpler by holding Jesus as the core for every belief and practice. This journey has shaped us to be more like Christ, freed us from the shame of failure, and encouraged us to a deeper love of our Lord and God. We invite you to join us in the discussions that have shaped and continue to shape our lives. 45 to an hour. 45 to an hour. 45 to an hour. 45 to an hour. Hey, did you guys know that 15% of people who dislike mayonnaise are good dancers compared to 29% of just people in general? Wow. That's solid numbers, man. (laughs) Yeah. So 29% of people in general are good dancers? Yeah. But 15% of people who dislike mayonnaise are good dancers. Are good dancers. Huh. So... If 29% of people in general, like, wouldn't, wouldn't you imagine though? That's, that's interesting because you would think that (laughs) you would think that the math would be that whether you like mayonnaise or dislike mayonnaise, if you've broken those into two groups, Mm -hmm. that roughly 29% of each of those groups are good dancers. I think the the overall statistic is. I think the real shame is that none of us three have been invited to these dances to figure out (laughs) these statistics. Right. Like whatever it is, I'm in the bad dancers of. They're, whichever right. camp. They're, what they're doing is they're looking to see what you put on your hot dog <laughs> and then they're watching to oh. see if you can dance. Or, okay, now that guy's a mustard um, guy. Or it's like sponsored by Hellman's or Kraft <laughs> right. or something and they give you a spoonful of mayonnaise and they look at your face and they're like, okay, you go in that room over there. <laughs> and they My start playing music like, hates, what is he doing? <laughs> he, hates, he hates mayonnaise. He just likes ketchup, but that kid dances, just dances all the that time. That dude does he dance does all the time. Dance. Just, like, see, I, a line and just dance. And right. I, know, I, I don't mind mayonnaise at all, but mm. I think that this is kind of your upbringing, kind of like a Furs Lubies thing. You know, mm. like you like whichever yeah. one you grew up with. So I grew yeah. up with Miracle Whip, um, which technically cannot be called mayonnaise because they have not, mayonnaise has a certain amount of egg it has to have in it. And, and Miracle Whip uh, doesn't reveal how much egg it has in there. So <laughs> it's it, what's the secret? <laughs> It's a mi- it's a miracle. It's There's a miracle. no egg. Where's the egg? It's not just like, chicken. I can't believe it like it's not white? egg. Right, yeah. Isn't it like white oil? Isn't that right? Miracle whips like roasted like oil. I don't know what it means. I don't know. It's man. not Dr Pepper. That's what I know. It is. That's a hundred percent true. Not sponsored. That's right. Yeah. Not a sponsor. How you doing, Ryan? I am well. Good I'm, man. I'm tired, but I'm well. Tired man. Sleepy. Yeah. Sleepy September. Wake me up when September ends. Am I right? <laughs> right. Well, it's over. Back to Green Day. It's already <laughs> over. <laughs> it's done. It's done. Micah, how are Just you? Just done. I'm good, man. Back from the summer. Finally, it was a busy summer, strangely. Like, yeah. I've just gone a lot. And I got a stretch of disc golf events coming up, chapel services for the pro tour. So excited yeah. about that. It's a good time. Ready to be back out on the road, I guess. I'm ready to be home for a while, but yeah. I'm back at it. Yeah. How about you, Pierce? How I'm you good, man. Good, sleepy. Working yeah. on those rent houses. Tired working, man. Just working at it, going at it. What's funny is I... Yeah, you're a real estate mogul. I just am doing it. What's funny is now I'm more of a handyman <laughs> than anything. <laughs> but it's just, it's all because of, I mean, it's all because of you, Micah. Like, it's funny because... I'll go do something real quick that is like super basic now. But five years ago, it just wasn't at all. Yeah, it's all yeah. because of like helping you out with houses and stuff like that. But... Now with like having Riley around, we're so used to just commenting on what we're doing around. Most most of the, my commentary is like me turning to Riley and be like, dad's an idiot. <laughs> <Just> like, <laughs> but most of like Hannah's commentary is very sweet. And now with, with Riley, just taking Riley over to the rent houses and stuff like that. Uh, 
Hannah's commentary is like, well, your dad's so strong or is, doesn't your dad know how to do so much? <laughs> and I'm like, man, I just, I'm just doing things. Like I'll just, awesome. I'll just reconnect a wire real fast and put a switch in. And three or four years ago it would have been just way over my head. And I'd have been like making 15 <laughs> calls, 25 YouTube videos, but now it's just so cool. Well, and that's knowledge. when you step in, that's like nice. seriously, you yeah. step into the realm of like really starting to make money in rental properties is because yeah. you're not having to rely on other people to do all that simple stuff for you. Anymore. Exactly. You just do it. And just walk in, knock it out. You guys are, care you guys are so handy. And here I am. I'm just a scrub, man. I've got nothing. <laughs> I, I saw a post somebody. Scrub artist. Yeah. <laughs> saw a post that somebody put yesterday that is talking about men that carry pocket knives. Mm -hmm. And here's what's funny. I bet neither one of you have a pocket knife on you. No. Um, but I do. But it said, he said, you know, we need more men these days who can carry pocket knives because I guarantee you, if a man carries a pocket knife, he knows how to fix, you know, your plumbing and he knows how to do all. And it listed like 20 <laughs> things and I literally can't do any of them. That'll be but that, I got my pocket knife. That'll be the next correlation. Like, <laughs> right. you know, 29% yeah. of men that carry pocket knives can can't fix anything. <laughs> <laughs> can't actually do yeah. jack. Yeah. Oh, they're posers. Yeah. Just I'm walk into a room holding the pocket knife and be like, you got stuff to fix. I'm like, oh, that guy can fix it. Yeah. It's all about how you look. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. I did. I, I did use my Swiss Army pocket knife the other day. Nice. To tighten the handle of the studio. And that's about the extent <laughs> of it. Killer. <laughs> you know? Uh, man. Well, you know what? Speaking of, oh man, let's just step over to the uh, the PCC real quick. We're going to Pierce's Culture Corner. Mm. Uh, here in the first episode of September. And, and also, I didn't say this a second ago. Uh, we're four Tuesdays a month now, guys. We're every Tuesday we're a every month. every Tuesday. Actually, yeah, let me rephrase that. Every Tuesday a month. Some, yeah. some months have five Tuesdays. Can you believe when we started this, like 28 episodes ago, 15 months ago, we were yeah. like, let's just fill it out. We'll do an episode a month. Yeah. And then we moved to two episodes a month last August, a year ago, right? I don't even remember. And now here we are. You're the four. guy who remembers things. That members things. I do remember some things. You remember some things. things. <laughs> <laughs> and now, PCC for the 29th time, we're we're stepping over to the corner. So sit down, Indian style. Let's do this. Let's 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 do it. We're chilling. So uh, so this this summer, uh, to update you, my friends, I got COVID. I did it. I did it finally. Way to I go, got man. COVID. Micah, you had COVID before. Did you ever have COVID? I did. Yeah. Oh yes. Very mild in December. Um, oh wow. I had a fever for two days. And that was it. And then couldn't smell a thing for almost a month. Wow. Okay. So we got very mild. Would you? How would you say yours was? It was bad. Micah, yeah. remember? Was bad. On Tylenol, that dude was, you were still running like 101 fever. Yeah, it was like, like 102 with, with wow. uh, yeah. Well, for like, like eight or nine days. Uh, I had I had that kind of fever for like five days. And then I started taking wow. zinc and vitamin C. And I was already taking some other vitamins. But as soon as I started taking zinc and vitamin C, it like my fever started going away. Yeah, you were oh, you good. were really sick though. Now that I know, I'm, yeah, I wonder if my and wanted. this will probably get us kicked off, but I don't really care of these platforms. But like now, have you guys heard about ivermectin? Yeah, like yeah. killing it. So, yeah. Well, that's that's well, you know, that's where I'm going with this. Is just like there's so much of like the COVID response just in general, and I'm not trying to get political. I'm really not. This is just whatever. A, I know, right? <laughs> this is just as as an individual who had COVID. This is literally, and I'm not very educated at all. Hey, hey Stephen, do we have the sound of like footsteps and a door slamming That's so right. I can just, you know, I'm no. out. <laughs> just, He's I'm getting done. into the politics <laughs> here. <laughs> Stepping out of here. Uh, 
just as an individual who had to, I went and got like the infusion. I think that's what it was called. The infusion treatment. It's called like bam, 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 bam. That's bam, what they bam. call me. They are they called it. They, <laughs> that's they, what they call you now. They were like bam, bam. They they called me. They were like, hey, you tested positive for COVID. Do you want the bam, bam infusion? And that's all they left it at. And I was like, well, I'm gonna need more details than that because <laughs> no idea what that is. Uh, it's so something I, that's I, probably really expensive they can sell you to make you feel better. I know. They will, you actually, walk out with a loincloth and a club. That's right. With the car at the bottom out of the car. I want, I want something yeah. called like the Mako Shark or something like know, that. Right? You know? My first question was, is insurance covered? And they're like, oh yeah, totally. And I was like, well, then maybe. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so I got, I ended up getting that infusion. We talked to a few people that we trusted about and they were like, oh yeah, it should be perfectly fine. You'll take care of uh some of your symptoms and all this different stuff. So whenever my fever spiked, I was like, oh yeah, let's go get this. So as just an individual who is not well-educated, who's just observing how the clinics are handling these things, observing how I had to be quarantined, how my wife had to be quarantined, observing how all the paperwork I had to read, all the stuff my wife had to do. Man, this is a freaking mess. Like, I know that we've been saying this for over a year now, like, and and just looking at all this stuff with politics and seeing all this stuff with the vaccine and seeing everything that's going on. Now that I've officially had it, I can officially say like, golly, what a mess. And one of the biggest things that hits me that I hate because now it's officially like in my household that I just absolutely despise from the medical field standpoint, because my wife is a nurse, is my wife, I got home from youth camp. I, I got home from youth camp. That's where I got COVID. Um, and my wife picked me up and I got home and my wife had to call the, uh, we t- I t- went and got a test that next morning. My wife had to call as soon as I tested positive, she called her boss and they said, okay, well, you've been exposed. You have to stay home for two weeks. And then that was the worst part is that you had to stay with your wife. No, 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 no. That was the best part. That was the best part. Then, uh, after those two weeks, my wife went back to work and, they had some stuff happen at work where they were a little bit slower and they said, okay, well on days that you're slow, she works, she works with, with babies and, and women and stuff like that. She's not working with sick people, sick people. She's working with people having babies. Some of the babies may be sick, but it's not like COVID sick right. and stuff like that. They said, well, on nights where you're slow, you'll go help out the COVID ward. What? And then you'll come back and help out the babies. That doesn't make any sense. No. So I come home from camp with COVID she has to stay home for two weeks, but on nights where you're a little bit slow, you can go be exposed and then go back to your shift and then go be exposed again and then go back to your shift. And now again, this is just me. I don't know all the ins and outs of it. I'm not working at the hospital. I'm not doing those things. This is just, again, me hearing these things from my wife. Yeah, sure. Whatever. And I'm not trying to get people in trouble. So I hope these things will go. But but what a mess, dude. Like again, so like, well, don't they have like a, uh, a slip and slide with hand sanitizer just like on it. <laughs> it's a, it's so a waterfall. When, when you come from the COVID unit, <laughs> you just, you know, like Superman down that that's thing. Right. That's what it is. You know, sprays up. Yeah. Yeah. Or you could just walk outside. Get some vitamin yeah. D. I mean, yeah. from what I, everything I hear is that COVID like gets demolished by UV rays. So. Yeah. So, it's, so all you people wearing masks outside. Like, what the heck are you doing? <laughs> or driving by yourself. Wearing yeah, what's... A, okay, that actually makes a little sense. I mean, I, I'm not a fan of that per se, but it makes sense to me if you're like trying to... Like if you are caring for somebody who's older and they got to ride in your car. Oh, yeah, Because, yeah, yeah. you know, you could... You sure. Could stuff on your... So, but walking... If you're walking outside and nobody's around and you're wearing a mask, I'm just going to laugh at you. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, even, even in... so. Just to say with the mess of, I, again, this isn't necessarily a culture commentary, more so much of a culture contemplation of my own part. Like, I think 
I think it, what sucks is there, we are the masses, but we are the masses made up of individuals like me who are looking at situations like this and saying like, I, who do I trust? Who do I follow? What do I do? Because I'm seeing memes, I'm seeing articles, I'm seeing these things. And then I'm seeing people, I'm seeing these types of situations happen to individuals. And I'm thinking, man, well, how, what do I do in these situations? Like, who do I follow? How do I, how do I handle this? Because yeah. I mean, even San Angelo had their first like vaccinated death. And so I'm like, did they really? Yeah, yeah, and that wild. So like, um, so mm. like, even even new statistics are coming out, and these things are happening. So it's just like in a situation where not only are the statistics a mess, socially it's a mess. Even in our own hospitals, it's a mess. And it's what sucks is I know we're only a year into, it and that's such a short amount of time. Yeah, for but you have people whatever. making these bold, bold, bold statements like you have to go do this, and then as an individual, I'm like, but, 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 but why? But why? And I know, and I know there's all these other numbers, but those numbers are a mess and the social situations I mean, are a mess like, and the jobs are a I mess. I feel like my intros of the podcast for the last few months have just shown like your correlation <laughs> does not mean causation. You know what right. I mean? Like, exactly. That's, I mean, seriously, that's what people tend to do is mm-hmm. they, you know, like, well, yeah. one vaccinated person died, therefore yeah. every vaccinated person is going to die. And, and it's probably something, you know, yeah, unrelated exactly. to some Oh degree. yeah. And, and what I'm, and what I'm not trying to do again is I'm not trying to make any sort, I'm not trying to make a solid stance of simpler stance is this. I'm really not. What I am trying to say is, man, as an individual, I'm just looking at this and as somebody who just went through it, like who did get sick and who did have to do, who did have to follow the protocol man, what a, what a crap shoot this is. <laughs> like, I feel like this, really is, is. this is one of those things that whether it was on purpose or not, the enemy is using to create. Um, more of a divide amongst specifically believers. Mm. And there's a cultural divide, obviously, is that yeah. is being, you know, widened. But I think the more the believers are split, I mean, if 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 this is something that can break up the church, then he wins. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in that regard. So I think that it's important. I'll tell you how to fix it right here. Fix this whole situation. The the, the real doctor. Take the doctor, uh, <laughs> get together hey. yes, with other people that love Jesus, and then you go tell other the people. The 23 ingredients in Dr. Pepper. Yeah. Are proven, <laughs> proven. Uh, this helped me get through COVID. You know, to, that's right. To taste delicious, but it's full of ivermectin. <laughs> I mean, when, when, when you lose your taste, the only taste that comes through. Well, that's probably, one of the twenty-three ingredients. <laughs> it is ivermectin. This YouTube video will probably get pulled down because we've mentioned that. I've got probably. boxes of it. There. I, I just, we use it for horses all the time. We have boxes of it. And they're like, it heals it, and I'm like. I'll we're take on a, it. We're yeah. on a gold mine. <laughs> <laughs> I just heard someone tell me that uh, there's, there's, I guess, some push to get um, some like legislation done for people who speak out against government, like government's direction for COVID treatment. If you speak mm. out against that, you're considered a terrorist. Oh my gosh, man! Also, if you um, do anything to memorialize the 9/11 incident and any religious holidays, it's considered an act of terror. They're trying to pass that. It's an act of Seriously? terror. Are you sure mm-hmm. that that's what that said? An act of terror. It's the, because now, now this is off of because a, this is off of a. It's on the White House webpage. Yeah, but what I saw was that because it's the 20th anniversary of 9/11, um, they are they are more alert about possible terror attacks due to that. Mm-hmm, that it's the oh, 20th anniversary. I saw it on the news, so you know it's yeah. accurate. You know it's real. 
You know it's, you know it's true. Absolutely. True. And then I pulled up the actual deal and it was like 23 pages and I was like, I'll just nah. take the news. This I mean, when it's, when it's longer than one, <laughs> this kind of when it's longer than one page, it's definitely true. And, because if it's like not and, one and, PowerPoint and listen, presentation with three bullets. Listen, if he says he saw it on the news, it was some Instagram reel. Somebody posted. But he was a believer, so you know he's Oh gosh. You know it. You know it. Yeah, you guys didn't respond to my text the other day about the the podcast where the dude was like uh that if you get vaccinated that you have you've given in to the the enemy the devil <laughs> and 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 that what what the devil is hoping we're doing and what the political left is will hope we're, we're doing is that we'll pull out our guns and <laughs> this is what he said that what the enemy is is orchestrating in this is if we if we fight them with our guns, we'll start a second civil war. And that's what the enemy, i.e. in this case, the devil is hoping will happen is anyway. So yeah, it was, it was a mess. Talk about COVID being a mess. Good Man. times. Hey, yeah. Steven, maybe get your news from somewhere other than Instagram reels. I don't know. Why would you? I know, I know. Because <laughs> it's, it's right there. Because they're hilarious. You just, have to tap, <laughs> right? you just have to tap once and it's right it's there. there. And they just keep I mean, going. And they just keep it's going. There. All right, all right, all right. They keep going. So, I mean, really, to clean up this mess. <laughs> you know what we need? We need some leadership. I don't. No. <laughs> you can't steal my I had it. I had it. I had it typed up. You can't steal my good transition. Oh. Edit that crap out. <laughs> Get rid of that. I'm going to rewind a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Do that. Play that rewind sound. Oh, I you wish, don't have no, it. I said I wish I Just did. play my culture <laughs> corner sound again. Just play my culture corner sound again. There we go. There we go. To clean up this mess. Yeah, Pierce, what do we need to do? It seems like we need some good leadership. Whoa. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> hey. What a transition. Hey, what a transition. Wow. That was yes. smooth. Man, smooth I never saw that coming. Butter. Yeah. Well, speaking of leadership. <laughs> Ryan, yeah. what are we talking about today, uh, man? Well, today we are talking about church leadership and uh, for our 29th episode. Hey. and And we're going to talk about what that looks like and the purpose of it. And um, why we need that in the church. But Ryan, do we really need church leadership? Shouldn't we just find people to preach feel-good messages every week? Hmm. <laughs> well, actually, Pierce, uh, church leadership is something that is outlined for us in the scripture. It is an important part of the church order and the church structure. And it is ultimately for uh, for the the edification of the body, the building up of the body, the equipping of the saints. Uh, it has, you know, we've we've taught for 15 months about the importance of the gospel. And and when we talk about church leadership, the gospel is at the core of that because church leadership is about caring for the church, caring for the believers who, who are attending that particular building that you worshiped at this past week or yesterday or whenever, I guess this is airing on Tuesday. So, but they don't have to listen on Tuesday, Pierce. They might be listening on a they Sunday. Right. <laughs> so yeah. So Micah, why don't you why don't you start us off on this, man? So I, I question then, like, if that's what church leadership is, then why in the heck are there so many churches with thousands of people with really crappy church leadership, where the whole goal is to just make people feel good every week? I think the downward spiral has is uh, God. Where is it that um, that they will seek people who will say what their itching ears long to hear. Yeah. Um, uh, what is that? 
Is it First Timothy 5, 3, 5? Something like sure. that. Sure. Sounds good. You're the only one who remembered 29 episodes, so surely you can remember what text that's from. Oh, only because yeah, Stephen on. mentioned oh, okay. it. Okay. Yeah. So I think that that, like, you see this trend going. And here's just observation as someone who's been uh, basically in ministry since I was, since I can remember, not me doing it, but like my dad's a pastor. He's, um, he started ministry when I was seven. Um, is there's this like sense of church leadership in different facets where people cling tight to what they feel is valuable. And what I find is, is very rarely does that rest on scripture. Most often it's like, here's what I grew up in. Here's the tradition I come from. Here's how I think it should be. Sometimes people get pissed and they leave a certain kind of church and they start their own church and they do church leadership differently. Rarely do I hear people say, here's the reason why we do church leadership this way. People think it's so weird that we do church leadership the way we do it. Mm-hmm. Like they yeah. freak out. They'll go like, well, who's in charge? Yeah. And we'll say, yeah, we we all, like us three are. Yeah. The three of us that are overseers are in charge. Well, like who's in charge? Well, I don't know what you mean. Like I'd, I'd heard a- uh, Micah. I always just say Micah. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you mean? Who's got the strongest personality? Like who's going to say the most? Who's I'm gonna... always wrong. I always screwed everything up, you know? And so I just default to It's not uh, my fault that Micah. everybody else is insecure in the world. <laughs> but I think I think what I heard a seminary Second professor- Second Timothy 4. Second okay, Timothy 4. Yeah. Uh, seminary professor a few years ago in a conference I was at say he was just giving some thoughts on- the culture of church. And he was saying that he felt like the boomers, (laughs) the boomers are the ones who brought in this like business model into the church, into the local Mm -hmm. church where it's a CEO kind of model. Um, And for a long time was being taught. I remember being at a conference at that same seminary and the president of the seminary got up and was talking about basically leadership, church leadership being like from a a single person in charge. And then, yeah. and then another guy got up after him and said, all you people who say you have like a worship pastor and a student pastor and a children's pastor. He said, at my church, I'm the pastor. I got a music minister and I got a youth yeah. minister. Mm. I, I was this close. Like I'm, I think the only reason it didn't happen is because my dad was sitting next to me and it would have embarrassed <laughs> him. I think, cause he knew a lot of the people. Yeah. There. I was about to stand up and be like, okay, that's BS. And I need you to show me biblically where that's coming yeah. from right now. Cause that like, yeah. it drives me nuts to hear people say that they look at us and they go, you guys are weird. And they don't give me any kind of biblical reason why the way we do church leadership is right or wrong. They just say it's weird. Cause it's well, not I, what I'm comfortable. I with. am weird. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of church leadership, yeah. Yeah. I think that's different. But. Cause most churches that I know of, I mean, I'm, I'm speaking of like, I mean, it, it, there are obviously um, Protestant denominations where, you know, the, the church governance is set up a certain way, but sure. for, for those of us in, in the denominations that don't have it set up specifically that way, you see, I think most of the time you see a senior pastor model, a CEO mm-hmm. model. Yeah. And I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong. What I'm saying is, is in the, most of the conversations I have, there's very little, but little biblical reason as to why people say that is the way it's supposed to be done. Sure. Well, I mean, don't you think that for as many pastors' conferences as there are where people are saying, preach the word, make Christ known, that there are also pastors' conferences and church leadership conferences where they're bringing in like some business dude to come and speak about, you know, here's how you run a business. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't a couple of years ago that I had somebody say to me that like church is a business. And when I was like, well, no, it's not. They're like, well, it sort of <laughs> it, is. In a like, business, in a sense, like the U.S. government allows right. us to be nonprofits. And so because yeah, of that. We have paperwork. We got to file those sorts of things. But, but there's no 501c3 in the New Testament. No. And and here's the thing. If 
let's just be really blunt about it. If if you're running the church as a business and something happens in the United States where we have to do church in secret like uh, they do in China or mm-hmm. in places in India or whatever, um, then the business model of church fails. It yeah. will fall apart. It yeah. cannot endure that kind of which I think is a really great indication that it's the wrong model to begin with. <laughs> you know, if it, if it can't endure persecution, yeah. it mm-hmm. can't be the correct yeah. model. So I think there's some, like, I think where we should go with this is just talk about some things that the New Testament does say yeah. about church leadership. And I'll just start it. I think that um, Ephesians 4 is a great kind of platform to, to build off of. Um, it's a good foundation for it because it's it speaks of these four groups of people as gifts to the church. And I think that's something that can be confusing sometimes. People read this section where, um, and they think that the four groups are spiritual gifts. And those might be spiritual gifts as well. But in context of Ephesians 4, when he's speaking of it, he's saying God gave these four people to the church for a specific reason, to equip and to build. And so we all reach unity and knowledge and faith in, in the Son of God. And so I think that those, we got to recognize that those four people in essence, are what God's saying is I'm setting these four people aside, not aside. I'm setting these, pulling these four pe- groups of people out so that they can be um, in the church for this specific purpose. So this isn't church leadership, I would say, is not something that someone can just say, I want to do it. Hmm. But it's yeah. something that is, you, to some degree, you're appointed or called out or whatever word you want to use by God. Yeah. Well, um, to a degree, right? Because First Timothy 3 starts off with anyone who desires to be an overseer desires a good thing. And so like... Yeah, but I think that I've, I think you could have some debate on what that exactly is. Like, sure. is that his own desire or is that something that was given by God? I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would negate Ephesians 4 if that was the case. I'm with you. So it's not that they don't have the desire, but the desire coming from the Spirit. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I can get behind that. Because I, I, one of the best pieces of advice I ever got when I felt called to ministry is someone told me, if you feel called to ministry, try to do something else. Right. Um, and his point was like, it, it'll be kind of a test for whether or not it's, it's a real call. If, if yeah. it's a real call, then you can't do those other things and find contentment and satisfaction. Yeah. You'll, you'll know. Which is, yeah, I mean, not a biblical model, but not bad advice either. To, you know, to say, try something else. Yeah, but, I mean, I don't think that's like in every situation yeah, you should but, do. But I think that, and now that you're 40, you you probably remember some of this too, but I remember being a kid and hearing a lot of people like at camps or whatever when I was a student, when I was going to those camps. Uh, and I would hear a lot of people, there was always an invitation to faith. There was always an invitation to put your faith in Christ. Yeah. And then there was always an invitation to ministry. If any of you feel like you want to be a pastor or a missionary, I want you to come down. And it's really interesting to me because I grew up believing, like I think a lot of people my age did, that if you were really going to be passionate for God, it meant you had to be in ministry. Or what we call vocational ministry. In other words, it's your, it's your paid job. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I forget what the statistic is. It's been too long since I've looked at it, but a decade ago, it was something like 80% of people who have come through seminary have dropped out of ministry within three years. Oh my gosh. Wow. And, and I think that pa- part of that, mayonnaise? yeah, <laughs> can they dance? Uh, I, I think part of that is because of this false kind of yeah. business model, this idea that just because you're a Christian, you should be a pastor of a body or you should be a missionary on the mission field instead of what we've been trying to say for the last 15 months, like you should love Jesus. Yeah. You should be if if you're really a believer, you love Jesus. And if, if that means you're an artist full-time or if you're a woodworker or if you're a disc golfer or whatever your thing is, like 
love Jesus. What we're talking about here is that there is a model given for the leadership of the church on, I mean, first Timothy three, I guess we'll get there in a second, but also like the kind of character these people should have. Yeah. Um, and, and then the kind of things that they should be about. In other about. words, there's a qualification for yeah. those people. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, that th- is not business. It, I mean, let, let's be honest that there was a time when, uh, I think it still happens when churches were set up where y- you went to church because of the people you were going to be doing business with. So like, that's kind of, that was kind of the hub for business in a small community, mm-hmm. you know, like every, oh, well, Hey, you need your car fixed. Use so-and-so he goes to church with me and it wouldn't matter if that person was the best in town or not. It was that they go to church with yeah, us. So that's who yeah. you want to use. And, and I think that there's just kind of been a business approach to church in general. In general. And I think yeah. there's a sense where the way you said a second ago about the, that there's a qualification for church leadership. Oftentimes that's ignored for the sake of business. Like I, right. I know some churches I've worked at who have had some really bad situations happen in church because they have put people in leadership positions within the church who didn't need to be there. And they were right. because they were like the president of the bank or they were, you know, they owned an insurance company or something within finance or business. And they thought, well, that means they're going to be good at right. this role in the body. Mm. And obviously there's with how it works in the United States and a lot of the Western countries, there's a necessity to have some people as part of the team, not even necessarily in leadership who sure. are good at those things, but to then expect that someone who has really crappy character, but is good at business that they can lead well in yeah. the church. That's what, that's why you end up having <clears throat> so many issues and problems in these churches because they're not yeah. thinking of it from a biblical perspective, but thinking of it in terms of worldly success. How do we become yep. the church? That's the next successful thing. So let me read a couple of these verses here from first Timothy three. Uh, Here's the trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. The overseer should be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. Uh, if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? I think that's such an important yeah, kind huge. of parenthetical statement there. He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall into the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, those uh, in this case who are pagans, <laughs> like these, because, you know, first century, we're talking about people who don't belong to the church right? so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. And so like, that's a lot of kind of things to look at. And, you know, like <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty it, big it, list. Inst- it, instead of saying, he handles money really well and has a yeah. successful business. Like yeah. there's a lot of character in this, yeah. you know? And I think you could take some, you said character earlier. I think it's a great, or just now it's a great perspective. Cause I think these things are things that Paul's saying to Timothy, look for these qualifications right. and the overseers you appoint. Um, but I think there's some character that flows out of that as well. Like yes. these are kind of general. Like I think yes. probably, probably people with that character are going to have some sense of being good with money. In other words, sure. Yeah. Probably these people aren't going to have all their credit cards maxed out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm not saying that's like a, you know, like something that is like awful, but I'm, right. what I'm saying is I think the the qualifications he's given are people that um, would fit in a leadership role well within what we're calling the body of Christ or the people of the church. And I think that that, that you know, there's a lot of character things that play out just past this list. Right. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Well, and, and the thing that's interesting is Paul mentions in a couple of places that his most difficult ministry 
was done in Ephesus. And this is where Timothy is. Uh, Paul spent three years there. Paul has now left and he is either in Greece or is at this point um, maybe a, a prisoner already um, outside of Jerusalem. But he's he's writing Timothy. And the first two chapters, this is something that didn't dawn on me until I was into my 40s already. But my whole life, I've seen this chapter taught as here's what pastors and overseers should look like, right? Mm-hmm. People normally say pastors, although I, I would I would have a qualm with that a little bit because I think pastor is an appointed gift. It is something. But anyway, we can talk about it another time. Uh, well, I think that's actually overseers. a good point real quick. Yeah, this is specifically here, the word he's using is overseers. Yeah. Some people translate it in different places, like different versions of the scripture as elder. Some people translate it as bishop, but the really the word means overseer. Yeah. And I think you could make a correlation with the term shepherd from the Old Testament, yeah. which you might get to in a second. But I think it's crucial to understand that this isn't a specific role like you're talking about of... Right. This isn't a specific gifting. This isn't the, the head Ephesians pastor. This is pastor, teacher. This right. is specifically someone who oversees. It's a little more generic term. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they must be able to teach, which is one thing. But uh, anyway, this is... What, what's interesting here is that Paul's left Timothy behind and... And really, if we're going to talk about overseers, we, we shouldn't really start here in chapter three. We need to start in chapter one. And Paul says, Timothy, these guys that are in charge right now, these overseers, they're terrible. And they're, they're quarreling with people over endless genealogies and all these little fine points of the law, and they're causing division in the church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then Paul gives this as the antithesis to the troublemakers in the church. And so, <laughs> so we look at this here and, and as strongly, I, I'm going to assume that if you're listening to us, if you've been listening to us for a while, this is probably a text you've heard of before. You've heard it taught in church or something like that. But to get the full picture, as passionate as we feel about these being the qualifications of the overseer, we need to feel just as passionate about the overseer not having the things that are going on in chapters one and two where they're causing division. So if an overseer is causing division in the body, like there's someone who's who is actually dividing the body, then, then they are in, in direct opposition of God's purpose yeah. for the overseer, which mm-hmm. is to build up the body and equip the body and prepare the body right. for like right. life and godliness. And so, so, uh, so overseers who are divisive, you know, like Paul, Paul tells Timothy later, he says, warn a divisive man once and then after the second time, have nothing to do with him mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. And, and he's telling him that in, I think, still kind of this context here of, <laughs> of people who have taken it upon themselves to oversee the church. Yeah. James has a similar kind of thing going on in the book of James. There are people who are in leadership over the church. I think we've talked about this before, who... Uh, are prejudicial against other people in the church. So they're, they're showing favoritism to the rich and they're uh, um, dishonoring the poor in the church. And, and James is just ripping these guys to pieces and kind of mocks them. And so one of the, one of the famous verses from James chapter three is not many of you should aspire to be teachers for you will incur a stricter judgment. But the direct context of that is there were people who were setting themselves up as overseers of the church who were divisive, who did not care for the sheep, who played favorites and James is warning them, you shouldn't set yourself up in that position. You're asking yeah. for it, you know, like yeah. you're in trouble. And, and so th- there, are, there are a lot of people who would put themselves in these positions who are not qualified. Well, and I think mm-hmm. one of the things we see a lot in, in modern day church today is this next section in First Timothy 3, the qualifications for deacons or servants is actually probably a better way mm-hmm. to describe that, is 
a lot of the churches I worked in, the so-called deacons are the ones who are actually in charge of the church, the which church. is the antithesis of what Timothy says here. It means that he, uh, we see in Acts that the deacons were, or the servants were, I'm saying servants because- That's what the word the, means. It is. And it's one of the few yeah. words that I feel like still has some prejudicial translation, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But oh, I feel it like definitely it's, does. It feel, it's, it's with a specific idea in mind they're implying when they translated well, deacon. It's but, not a translation. It's uh, a transliteration. A, right, yeah. Right. So anyways, point being, the deacons were, were appointed, servants were appointed because the apostles didn't have time to meet all the needs of the people and still be able to teach well. Yeah. yeah. And so that's, this is what it is. Like these people that we call deacons are there not to lead the church. That's never been the point of the servant. The but, point yeah. of the mm-hmm. servant was to be people who serve the body because the the, so the overseers and the can. teachers yeah. can can do their job. I, I used to mess with when I work in a when I work like in, you know, First Baptist Church's places and I find that there's a end up in conversation with a like a deacon who's like super anti alcohol. Mm-hmm. I'll go to this section in in a verse <laughs> uh where is it? Where it talks about oh, is it is not it indulging Titus? in much wine? Where is no, it? No, it's verse eight. Yeah. Oh verse yeah. Eight. Deacons likewise, likewise must be dignified, not double tongued, not addicted to much wine. I'll read in that verse and go. Do you know what he's saying? He's saying that to be a deacon, you have to drink yeah. because you can't be addicted to much wine if you don't drink wine. So if you guys aren't drinking wine, you're not qualified to be deacon. <laughs> and they usually look at me like stare at me like they don't oh, know what to say. And I'm like, I'm just kidding, man. I'm messing with you. <laughs> but I think that's a that's one of the issues you see in church leadership today too. Is there's a group of people like you're saying in James mm-hmm. who for whatever reason want to set themselves up in a position of leadership when they're not people that got as equipped or qualified yeah. or appointed. Yeah. And then you just end up with chaos. And so mm-hmm. I think I think there's a sense where maybe they do that because we have created this persona that church leadership is like this glorious position. You're in the yeah. spotlight. You're on the stage. I mean, can I be completely honest? Having I haven't done any other job my entire life, like as a profession. I would never pick this mm-hmm. on my own. Like, I love this with all my heart. Like, this is my calling and my passion. Yeah. But I would never, why in the world would I pick one of the lowest paying jobs to deal with the crappiest people in the world a lot of times? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> why would you pick that? You pick that because God's called you to it. And he's equipped exactly. you. And that's why it's my passion. That's why I love it. Exactly. Um, in both Ezekiel and Jeremiah, God rebukes the leadership of Israel. Now, we're not saying that the leadership of Israel, 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 Israel. Israel. I'm a, I'm, who am I? Gomez? What is it? The Adams family? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Israel. Israel. Uh, um, yeah. What's his name? I can't remember. Gomez Adams. Gomez, Gomez Adams. Adams yeah. <laughs> you know that Gomez guy from the Adams, <laughs> from the family? Adams family? His last name's Adams. <laughs> what's, what's his name? His name? <laughs> So we're we're not saying that the Old Testament leadership of Israel are a one to one correlation with right. the overseers right. today, but it, it uh, Peter does refer to um, people with that gifting in Peter New Testament saints overseers. He refers to them as shepherds. Mm-hmm. So there there is a little bit we can draw from this. So God rebukes rebukes the leaders of Israel in Ezekiel thirty four. And in Jeremiah 23, in both cases, he promises Christ. He promises the coming shepherd mm. who will shepherd the sheep well. But one of the things that he says, here's here's just a sampling of it from Ezekiel 34. He says, uh, prophesy, son of man, against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. 
Woe to you shepherds of Israel who only take care of yourselves. Mm. Should not shepherds take care of the flock? You eat curds, you clothe yourself with wool, you slaughter the choicest animals, but you don't take care of the flock. Mm. You have not strengthened the weak. You have not healed the sick. You have not bound up the injured. You have not brought back the strays. You have not searched for the lost. You have ruled them harshly and brutally. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd. And when they were scattered, they became food for all the wild animals. So this should be called to mind for us, Matthew 9, 36, where Jesus stands on the hill overlooking Jerusalem. And he says, um, uh, you know, he goes, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you know, yeah. he goes, he sees them as sheep with no shepherd and, and he longs for them. And he has this craving for them, this desire for them to know him yeah. because he is the chief shepherd. He is this, this one. And so, so the, the idea here is that, that even in the days of Israel, there were there were people who these are Levites. These are people who were entrusted by God mm-hmm. to take care of the things of Israel and care for the people. And we we even see that in uh, in Samuel that uh, one one of the things it's kind of a subtle thing that's mentioned, but one of the things was that the priest was supposed to boil the meat as an offering to God, and they would take their fork and stick it in and pull out whatever meat, and that would be kind of like this is their portion that God's provided for them. And, uh, but one of the things I hope that it was a big fork, cause right? you imagine like right. these little tiny things like, <laughs> like uh, oh. an escargot fork. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but, uh, but one of the things that Eli's sons were doing that was a violation that God was displeased with is before they would even boil the meat, they would select their meat and they were, they were basically cheating people of their offerings and stuff like that. And so, uh, certainly today, and like I said, these, these are not, necess- I, I would argue that the people that God's talking about here aren't believers. Right. Um, but I do think that there are pastors today. I think there are overseers today who are looking out for themselves yeah. and yeah. who aren't really interested in binding up the lost or rescuing the needy or, you know what I mean? Like yeah. caring, uh, caring for the actually sheep. Actually shepherding Yeah, the taking yeah, care yeah. of these people. Yeah. I think one of the, you said this a second ago, it was kind of like a side point. These guys were appointed by God. Yeah. So yeah. I think just because you're an Ephesians four person doesn't mean that you're necessarily someone who's doing it well. Yeah. Right. You know, and it's, I think the the going back to something we talked about earlier, the best and easiest way to to for church leadership to not function in the role where like someone's t- just taking care of themselves mm-hmm. is for it actually to be a plurality or or like multiple leaders. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is why he says plural overseers in first Timothy three. Again, I'm not, I'm not saying that the senior pastor model is like unbiblical. I'm saying there's more weight for having a plurality of leadership in Mm. church as a biblical model. So if you're in a senior pastor role, I'm not saying stop by any means. What I'm saying is, is, is the easiest way I think, or the best way I think for us to do church leadership is to have a plurality, a multiple group of, of people who come together in leadership in the church who are qualified, who are called and and can do this well because you hold each other in check. Right. Absolutely. I think that's one of the things we've seen, Micah, in 20 plus years of ministry is a lot of times, not every time, but a lot of times when you have the kind of the single matter, single pastor CEO kind of model, um, that's where we are seeing pastors who get wrapped up in sin, sexual sin, or stealing money from the church or whatever. And it does seem to happen less frequently in a in a place where there is a plurality, where there's some and accountability, I don't even think it's just because it's harder. I think because you push each other and you, you grow together. One another, yeah. And this isn't this isn't you. I know so many guys who are senior pastors at churches and they're by themselves and they work tirelessly. And there's never a sense of like, am I doing this well? Am I doing this right? And so just mm-hmm. being able to like you you text us all the time, like, hey, what do you guys think about this for Sunday? 
yeah. you know, for the yeah. sermon. And just the fact that we can process this together. Sure. We Absolutely. talk about songs sometimes, you know, when we're doing a new song, I'll run that by you guys. Like, what do you guys think about this song? I might make this change. What do you think about this change? There's some strength in not having to do it on your own. Sure. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. And within that, like these, yeah, the alone aspect, I think is a huge, huge part of it, even from a standpoint of, um, like a, who's going to know mm. type thing. Yeah. Like, I think, I think from the positive light of everything that you just said of like pushing each other, growing each other, that, that type of aspect, but also like, uh, in the, in that moment of darkness and weakness of like, a nobody's around me anyway. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. who's yeah. going to know type who's thing. Who's going to know or who cares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or who cares. Who, maybe that's a better way of saying it. I think, I think that's a way better way of saying it is who cares. Uh, nobody else is around me. No, I'm not getting any type of encouragement. Who cares? Um, and, and it, it, even on, on a sadder note as well, like um, there was, there was an aspect of, of uh, I read an article put out by X3 church a while back. That's the, that's the, mm-hmm. the organization that helps with uh, uh, Christians kind of getting out of pornography or, mm-hmm. or helping them uh, with, lust addiction and different things like that. And, um, they interviewed a couple of pastors who got, who got fired, um, because of their search history on their, on their mm. computer and some stuff like that. And one of their things was just like, I had no one to turn to, no one yeah. to talk to. And like, they, they were, they even said like, I would have, I would have loved to have like stepped down, loved to have done some stuff. But I, I didn't, I didn't have a church. Like I didn't, I didn't have like a body of believers or even like people I could have turned to. Cause I was a head pastor. I was completely by myself. And so like, I don't know how much that, that really has to do with leadership. I was just thinking of being alone. Like they were so, they were so isolated that they were just like, I wanted to confess, but I didn't know who to confess to because I knew I was going to disappoint people. <laughs> Point being, I knew it's I was not a to. great scenario to yeah. be in. It's just, I, I think it could exactly. be okay. It's just not the best scenario exactly. to be in. I mean, even from the sense of like, strength like mm-hmm. us three together as leadership as overseers at the 456 there's strength in that you know Absolutely. ryan you usually get dogged on because you're the one that is preaching almost all the time and so if someone has an issue with something that you said it's because you said it from stage but there's strength knowing that you don't have to deal with that on your own yeah or even when a few years ago when we had to deal with an another overseer who was down a path of idiocrity and stupidity and foolishness is according to Paul, like yeah. strength knowing that like we didn't have to deal with that individually. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean, we were able to deal with that together. And I think what allowed us to push through that rough time together as a church was because it was us three together leading. I mean, I can't imagine like even with my strong personality, like the feeling if you were a senior pastor and that happened, mm-hmm. like even if you're a senior pastor model and you have to fire like your youth pastor or your worship pastor, thinking like, what did, like I somehow screwed this up. I didn't lead well. You know, you take all the weight and Mm -hmm. being able to spread that weight out is just, I think it's a benefit. So again, I'm not opposed innately to senior pastor model. I think what I'm saying is I like the, the implication of the new Testament model where it's a plurality of people. There's multiple people in leadership as overseers. It's just a better way to go, I think. And not deacons. I'll say that anyone who tells me they have a church that's deacon led, I'll just tell you straight up you have misunderstood the scripture, <laughs> misunderstood it. And then let me go a little bit farther. I totally, in my opinion, um, I think there's a sense where the congregational model mm. of church that I think is is a really cool like direction, like moving away from kind of like the, you know, like the Roman Catholic, like Pope, Cardinals, Bishops led, you know, where people, it was, you know, the Protestants moving away from that. I think what ended up happening though, is it, people started thinking like, well, now the power's in my hands. Like, you know, a lot of situations you're in mm-hmm. churches where 
you know, it's, it's the rich people in the church, excuse me, who have the most say. Yeah. And the pastor becomes like their puppet because I've heard pastors say this before. I can't say, I can't say anything to those people. Cause what if they leave? We don't have any money. Right. Yeah. As if my trust is in those people and not in God. Oh. If, if my role is uh, God has called me as one of the Ephesians four people to yeah. step up and be a gift to the church. And then I'm, 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 I'm sitting in this role of overseer and I'm saying, I trust more in someone's money in my church than I do in God. Then that, I mean, I feel like that probably disqualifies you in Absolutely. that moment. Grow up there, yeah. man. That's what it is. Well, like it's in that lover you have, of money. You have the living. Absolutely. You have the living God on your side. Like that, you you don't understand. I think that this is what I've been thinking about the majority of the time during this whole conversation. Is you don't you don't understand the backing that you have if you if you've been put in this position by God. Yeah. Like if if you if you're willing to to bend the knee towards money, if you're willing to bend the knee um, towards culture, if you're willing to bend the knee towards any of these other things that are outside of who has put you in this position, uh, may it be greed, selfishness, maybe towards self or towards culture or towards any of these other things. Like then you have a like a, just a wicked misunderstanding of the God of the universe who has mm. put you in this position to care for his people. Yeah. Like that's what it is, is that, is that God it's has, his people. it's his people. Like God has saved these people. God has cultivated this flock. God has used his son and his son's voice and his son's power by the cross and the empty grave to call these people together. And then he is hand selected. He has chosen these, these, these men and these, these, these leaders and gathered them together and said, okay, you're going to lead my people yeah. on this place to encourage them and build them up for ministry to love people and be a light to the lost and uh, and equip them and love them well and teach them well and do these things and then you're going to bow down to a culture that was damned to hell like that's what you're going to do it makes it always like, makes you think of Aaron <laughs> Moses on the mountain talking to God yeah right and Aaron's like ah, it's taking too long these people, <laughs> yeah. these people want to worship yeah. since so let's just yeah. get some gold I mean that's exactly I mean I think you're right there's not a one to one correlation with these Old Testament passages yeah. but you see a lot of the same fallacies in leadership yes yeah. for sure and so I think that's you're right that's, absolutely we forget this is the bride of Jesus absolutely yeah. this is this is not our thing like as pastors this is this is not our church yeah, yeah. we've been entrusted to care for yeah. it for yeah. a little while and that can so, look I, when I said grow up here I was I was frustrated, but you know, grow up here. No, yeah. I mean, to and be that, honest, that those good. guys don't have the nuts to do what they're yeah. supposed to do. I'll just say it. And that may look a lot different. I mean, we've, we've talked about, we've talked about like the, uh, like the George Mueller and then the, the Moody side of things where like, <laughs> where you different. go, you go kick down a door and you say, give me the money. And then you have George Mueller who is just praying all night yeah. to get the money. <laughs> and that may look different where, where you have, right. you have a congregant coming in who is saying like, you'll do things my way. The way you approach them may look differently, but right. the heart is I'm going to stand up for the people of God. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna uphold the position that I've been given. And that may look like you putting that person in their place uh, more aggressively. That may look like you putting them in their place more, I don't know, softly. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say compassionately, but sometimes compassion is brutal. Like, it's gracious. Yeah. So it's like, a gracious yeah. way of handling. Yeah. So like that may look one way or the other, but either way, the heartbeat is to uphold the position that you've been given by God. And and in both positions, may it be more brutal or soft. It is caring for the people of God. And that's kind of the simpler view of what we've been getting at this whole Absolutely. time is that yeah. church leadership is about caring for the church. Absolutely. There's yeah. this care that is there. That is, the, these are the people of God and God has entrusted you to care for them well and uh, and and upholding what we've talked about with Ephesians 4, 1 Timothy 3, these and, these, uh, these passages that God has uh, given us. And, and I do think, I mean, we don't have a lot of time to spend on it, I know, but like back to something you said, Micah, that... In Acts 7, the reason that the apostles appointed deacons was because 
there were a group of Greek Jews, the Hellenists, who were being overlooked in the daily distribution of bread, and they were complaining about it. And I, I love the apostles' response. Like, we don't have the time to, to wait on tables. To, to wait on tables. Yeah. We need to be preaching and teaching the word of God. Yeah. And so they appointed the deacons. And mm-hmm. and so I think when we say it is the job of the over, overseers um, or the presbytos is the Greek word that Titus uses, uh, but it is it is the job of the overseers to care for the church. Like, this isn't, it is not your pastor's job to do everything. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and some people, the, the default, so we've been talking about leadership. So the leadership that says, I'm the CEO, I'm the boss, is, is just as bad as the sheep that support that viewpoint. Because, mm. because if, if your viewpoint sitting in the pew is, well, this pastor, he's the guy that's in charge. It, it, listen, we have, we have a church that fluctuates every week from anywhere from 80 to 160 people, right? Yeah. Um, we can't, we three can't take care of every single need that's going to be in that church. We no, just can't. No. We can't be at every hospital. We can't be at every bedside. We can't, uh, we can't be at every wedding or every, you know, whatever. Like we just, we're not going to be able to, um, it's just not possible. And if you're at a church that has more than, you know, 150 people and it, it's your pastor can't do all that. Right. And, and so that when we talk about the shepherds caring for when I think about Ezekiel 34, bind up the the broken and and feed the sheep and take like I, I think about all of that as as uh, making Christ known and proclaiming Christ to this body. It's it's back to Ephesians 4, Micah. So these these gifts of apostle, uh, teacher, preacher, you know these kinds of prophet things, evangelist. prophet, evangelist yeah. that were given for the equipping of the saints, like. Not the, a prophet evangelist, but like prophet. Right, prophet, comma, evangelist. Uh, yeah, but for the equipping of the saints. And that is, that's what the overseers are doing. They're yeah. equipping the saints. Yeah. Now, the for overseers, the the right. And the overseers who are equipping the saints, who Acts 7 are preaching and teaching the word of God, are wise enough to then say to other people, okay, we need, a, we need you guys to appoint some help who can take care of these things and, and you know, take care of these yeah. other yeah. areas of, of ministry. But uh, I, I really think, um, I mean, pa- Paul says it, and you, you mentioned it at the very beginning, Micah, uh, and it is second Timothy four, three, where Paul is telling Timothy, you need to be prepared. In fact, at the very end of chapter three, he says, he says, all scriptures, God breathed and is profitable for teaching, rebuke, correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be adequately equipped for every good work. And then he rolls straight from that. And he tells him, so be ready, be ready to preach in season and out of season, because the, the days are coming when people, and are even here now when people won't won't believe you and won't listen to this. And they'll heap up for themselves teachers who tickle their ears, mm-hmm. uh, which was your Ouch. question at the very beginning, right, Pierce? That, you know, shouldn't we just have guys who just preach what we want to yeah. hear? Th- that's happening all the time. It's happened since the first century. And so uh, for me, as, as an overseer, one of three in our church, I think it's really important. And I think people confuse this sometimes. I think it's really important for us to make clear, and y'all can make it clear because I know I'm not good at that, but that that our goal, Pierce, you with students and everything you're doing uh, with all of our online stuff and Micah, you with worship and everything you're doing in the administrative side of things and me, what I'm doing in preparing sermons, that all three of us have the aim that our goal in this is to equip the body for the ministry of Christ, to serve Christ, to know Christ. And that is our primary charge. Yeah. That is our primary responsibility. So when we say it is the job of the overseers to care for the church, 
that's that's at least in part what I mean. You know that like it's it really is just about equipping the saints and mm-hmm. all the other things that you can think of that the pastor should be doing. Uh, probably requires some deacons and some people in the church to step it up. Absolutely and, does, yeah. And, and I mean, I think one of the greatest fallacies yeah. that that happens is what you said, where the the senior pastor tries to take on everything. He's mowing the yard. He's yeah, you can't. He's cooking it. meals for all the fellowships. He's doing everything, yeah. and that's what you're doing in that moment is you're robbing people of the opportunity to take part in this communal thing that mm-hmm. we call the body of Christ. The well, church. and back to Ephesians four, where you started, Micah. If the job of the overseer is to equip the saints for ministry. You're doing them a disservice. You're not equipping yeah. them for anything because you're telling them, I'll get it. I'll right. get exactly. it. I'll get it. I'll I mean, just it. to be completely blunt, like if my role is to take care of all that stuff, then I better start getting paid more. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, but that's not what this is about. And that's, right. that's the issue. I mean, you and I, Ryan, and you might have two peers. I don't know, but we get, we've been offered jobs that are vast amounts of money compared to what we make. Yeah. Even before the 456, you know, like yeah. weren't making much money doing the other ministries we were doing. And I think that, in reality, like the only reason we're here and not doing other jobs is because this is what God has called us to. So he's given us a passion yeah. for the reason that we're at the 456 specifically and haven't taken jobs at other churches is because we feel like God has put our heart and passion here with this with these body. people. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, and that's why we're here. I mean, yeah. I probably get two or three a year people asking me to come, you know, yeah, and, I and don't it's anymore. like, well, you're not on the road anymore. You would if you're <laughs> on the road. And it's, there's literally, and I'm honest with them. I just tell them like, I'll be happy to you know, like consider it and pray about it. But this is where God's got our yeah. passion now. And I, I'm open to it. Like if this is, if God's moving me, I just can tell you right now, it's it's not going to be soon. Yeah. Because it's, I know this is where we're at and this is where our passion is. And people ask me all the time, like, why are you okay with pastoring this little church in the middle of nowhere? And I say like, why is that the standard? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, why is that? Why is it? At what, at what point does it become like a, successful ministry in your eyes. What number of people yeah. at the church? Yeah. Stop asking me stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh man. Well, I think I don't, I don't really know how much to wrap that up. We did have a much wrap up simpler view. Church leadership is about caring for the church and caring for the church. Doesn't necessarily mean each individual little bitty little thing, but caring for the church holistically. And may that be, um, allocating and assigning, different aspects of certain parts of things, but holistically caring for the church. Hey, can I give you um, one more thought? Yeah. Just thought about this. No. And we're done. <laughs> There's oftentimes I hear people when I'm on the road, talk about their pastor. Like, mm-hmm. cause it's nice when a guy comes in to guest preach or guest lead worship, you can, you can talk trash about the other guys in ministry <laughs> at your church. Cause you don't yeah. feel, but they'll say things like, you know, I wish he, I wish he preached like this or I wish he did mm-hmm. this. And I, th- I think that there is some sense of, um, almost like ownership in a wrong way of that position where people feel like it's their responsibility to make Ryan um, be a teacher like the teacher they like to listen to on their podcasts. Yeah. And I think there's a sense, that sense of ownership or like, I hear people say this all the time too. Well, um, we should have more say because we give more money. I've heard, I heard a guy one time say college students should, who were, this was a congregational Southern Baptist church they shouldn't have any say in any of the votes we do because they don't give any money compared to the rest mm-hmm. of us. And I asked that guy, I was like, I wonder what it would look like if we took a percentage, like based on their income and your income, how much do they give percentage wise compared to you? I wonder what that would look like, even though it's a different amount. Yeah. And so I think there's a sense of ownership people take in a church sometimes in a wrong way that causes people to look negatively on their 
overseers mm. and specifically their teachers. And so if that's you, let me just say this, like know that your encouragement goes a long way with your pastors. Yeah, yeah. Um, bring your concerns. But I'll tell you this, if you, if you think for a moment that this is an easy job, that people just can't, anybody can do, then you have misunderstood the intensity yeah. of what God has called pastors to do. So if you have a concern, bring it. If you have an encouragement, bring it. But don't think for a moment that it's about you, mm-hmm. that it's about your ownership. If I give money or I you know someone who's a good preacher, then it's my role to make my pastor that way. Yeah. You know, like don't take ownership in that way. Let your ownership be in the community, in the body, and not in the person. Absolutely. Yeah. Church leadership is about caring for the church. As a church congregant, love your church leadership. Did you say congregant? Congregant as a part of the church brethren. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Thanks, Brother Pierce. Confront where there needs to be confronting, but also love and encourage where there needs to be love and encouragement. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, if you guys don't have anything else to add, I think we've kind of wrapped it up in the last like five or 10 minutes or so. I don't need to reiterate any of that because I'll just do it again for another five or 10 minutes. Uh, <laughs> Micah, you got a simpler hack for us? I do, I do. I mean, summer for a lot of you might be actually over, but it's actually time for wherever you're at in the country, backyard barbecues. It's that backyard time when barbecue. it's like starting to get a little bit cooler in some places and you know, it's it's backyard barbecue. So I got a backyard barbecue hack for you guys. Something I saw that looks, I haven't tried it yet, but it looks amazing. If you get a lot of people coming to your house for a backyard barbecue, one of the easiest ways and maybe coolest ways to display and provide drinks and things that need to be iced is to take a pool floaty with like, those pool floaties that have like little walls on them, not like the ones that are flat. Yeah. Uh-huh. Little pool floaties with little walls. Fill that up with ice, put it on a table and serve all your drinks and things oh, that need no. to be iced. There you go. Pool floaty. Yeah. And it it's looks, cool, bit, and looks, looks cool, cool. It's got a little tiny bit of insulation to keep yeah. it cool for a little bit. <laughs> Easy to drain as the water melts, which is kind of a fun backyard hack for your backyard there barbecue. You go. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Backyard That's barbecue. way better than putting it in my shirt like I've been doing. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> hey, come on, man. I think it would be hard if you do the pool floaties without any walls. Like that might be yeah, yeah, difficult. Yeah. Oh, yes, absolutely. Well, yeah, you guys, I mean, I was about to say you guys know what to do, but maybe you guys don't know what to do. <laughs> I, I, I don't know what we're doing. But, uh, I want to see that. I want to see hashtag simpler hack. We we've I don't know if we've seen any much of the uh, simpler hacks. Yeah, can we get to, those on? But, uh, just let's just do this. Instagram, Twitter. Uh-huh. Let's just go those two specifically. Instagram. Yeah. Start taking some pics of some of your hacks. Yeah. Hashtag, Even like little story video or something. But yeah, tag us in the tag us. That'll be that'll be better. So I've been saying do hashtag simpler hack, but I don't have any notifications set up for that. And I'll try to get those things set up. But tag us, and we'll definitely see that. Tag us at Simpler Pod, do all that fun stuff. Hashtag Simpler Hack, tag Simpler Pod. We want to see you doing the Simpler Hacks. Give us give us some new Simpler Hacks that Micah can share with everybody oh, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got a true. Simpler Hacks. And then he can shout you out. Yeah. And we can that's do right. all that. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Share with us your Simpler Hacks. Yeah. Speaking of shout outs, I'm going to shout out Steven over there. Steven. There he is. That was like maybe the oh, nicest. All the these nice story. people? <laughs> we got a, Unreal. We got a studio full of people here at the Garden Audio. <laughs> <laughs> standing ovation. That's right. Wow, wow. Steven is at the them. Garden Audio on Instagram. You're going to want to go check out everything he's got going on over there. Uh, I feel uncomfortable after that. I'm sorry. That's <laughs> <laughs> I did hit that button for the record. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Made me feel uncomfortable. 
He's may you, may you most, have gout in your foot that's right. <laughs> forever. Done. <Yeah. laughs> Done. He's the most humble person in the world you'll ever meet. Yeah. <laughs> I really am. It's unreal. Oh, you wouldn't man. believe it. We, I already said this already, but I'll say it again. <laughs> we are at Simpler Pod on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, let us see your simpler hacks. Uh, share us around as well. Uh, the more that we are, the more that you can help the podcast get out there, the more this community grows, the more the conversation grows. Uh, like I said earlier, we are every Tuesday now. And mm. so the more that you guys can get, can share this out there with the community, the more that we can have people plugged in. And we want to hear you guys' questions or topic ideas. What do you guys want to hear about? Uh, We've had some topics being shared in through Instagram and through Facebook. Do that. If you guys are like, man, I have a question, we might do a whole episode over it, or we might just have a conversation with you over Instagram. If that's easier, if it's just like, "Ah, I don't want to do that over there, but I just want to hear what you guys think about this one (laughs) verse, then that may be what we do. But we can have a conversation through there, or we can do an episode over it. Just connect. You know, We've got social media. We have a day and age where we don't have to be like Ryan anymore, just slaving over letters and stamps and doing... (laughs) We can actually connect through phones and through computers. (laughs) I am the old one. Yes. Oh, man. You know what? So, uh, So all that being said, as always, keep Christ as core. What could be simpler than that? We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye.